How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Good, good, good. Um, I'm so excited um, that it's Sunday. Sunday is my favorite day of the week, um, mostly just because I get to be with you guys. But more importantly, we get to be in the presence of God together. And he's good and he's faithful. And I love that song. It never gets old to me. He's never going to let us down. He always comes through for us. And I don't know what you walked in uh, with today, but I just, I sensed uh, the love of Jesus just flooding this room. And I feel like he's here today to bring transformation, um, that he's here today to take bad situations and uh, put his holy spin on it uh, and turn it into something beautiful because that's just who he is. Um, If you've ever questioned the goodness of God, uh, let me be a reminder to you today that he's always faithful. He's always good. He never lets us down. And that's something to celebrate, right? He's so good. Sometimes I'm just like, let's do a praise break again. Just go back into worship. (laughs) Kevin, you got this. Just back into worship. I'm just kidding. No. (laughs) I feel like I, I could trust Kevin with it to take me back in. Um, but I, before we get started, um, uh, Bliss, are you, I have a word for you. When you were yeah. up here, m- most of you guys don't know this, but uh, Bliss and my like spiritual heritage is connected. I've known Bliss since she was uh, since we were both very little girls, but she's a little bit younger than I am. But Bliss's um, uncle was the pastor of the church that my parents got saved into um, when I was a kid. <clears throat> and, you know, my family legacy and lineage is in so much, it's owed so much to Bliss's family, um, to her uncle, her aunt, her parents. Um, and so, Bliss, while you're up here, I just, I wanted to encourage you. I feel like I saw um, a picture of God releasing keys to you, and I'll read what I felt like it was, but I feel like I saw new doors opening to you. Um, I felt like the Lord was giving you a key for an upgrade. Um, I just, there's been, I feel like you've been standing on this massive platform for years and years and years and years, and you felt like it was good enough. Like, God, like, what a gift you've given me to be just standing on this holy platform on the ground that my family has tilled so beautifully. But I felt like the Lord was saying, "Uh uh-uh, like, it's time to look up. And I felt like he he was releasing a key to you and opening new doors uh, for you in this season. And I heard him say, your journal is a blueprint. So I don't know what you've been writing in your journals or what you've been dreaming with God about, but it's a blueprint. And I felt like the Lord's giving you a grace to to dream again and like dream further and more fully than you've ever uh, dreamt before. And I felt like he uh, also said that he's answering far off prayers and that more is coming. So I don't know. Would you guys just stretch your hands to bliss? I want to pray over her. Bliss. The Lord sees you, and he knows that the platform that you've been standing on has been a beautiful one, but God has more for you. And just as your pastor and as your leader, I just declare more and grace for upgrade, a grace for the tent pegs to expand, that the platform that you're standing on is not a big enough platform for what God wants to do in you and what he wants to do through you. And so, God, I just pray grace upon grace, Holy Spirit, joy to fall on you, bliss, that every moment of stretching and transformation would be filled with his love, his affirmation, and his presence. And we love you, and we bless you, Jesus, and we say yes to this word. And everyone said amen. 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 
We love you, Bliss. I know. You guys can give her a round of applause. She's amazing. I don't usually do that, but I felt it so strong. Um, just, I don't know, I just sense that the Lord is here to encourage some of you today, and I don't know what that's going to look like. It might be through the message. It might have already happened in worship, but the Lord's going to encourage you and love on you today. And uh, I'm going to jump right in. Uh, the title of my message this morning is Transformative Leadership. We are in a series um, this whole summer, and we just titled the whole summer, Summer of Leadership. We felt like in 2018, God gave us a mandate to raise up 100 uh, leaders, and we didn't know how God was going to do that, but because sometimes, you know, when you're leading something, and if you're a parent, you get this feeling, sometimes you feel inadequate, right, to do the job that God's given you to do. And sometimes that's how I feel as a leader a little bit. I'm like, God, I just, why did you choose me? Why did you choose us? We're just these two, you know, Lyle says he's from a village in Kentucky with like one stoplight. I'm from Nashville, a bit bigger city, but you know, I have, I've spent, I spent a lot of my life telling myself that I wasn't the leader that God showed me that I was to be. And so this, this year when the Lord spoke over us and said, hey, I want to raise up healthy disciple makers, we were like, okay, all right, God, let's go for it. And so this whole summer, we're diving into what it looks like to be a kingdom leader. How many of you know that there's a difference between being a leader in culture versus being a leader in the kingdom? Okay, culture says you lord over, but kingdom says you serve. And, you know, when we first planted uh, Legacy, I felt this pressure to force myself into a box of leadership that wasn't meant for me, if that makes any sense. I'm like probably the most introverted person in the room. Maybe I'm looking around to see if I know anybody more introverted than me. Uh, (laughs) Me and Sarah, we run together on the introvert level. Um, I love quiet time. I love being in the presence of God by myself. Um, I have no need to be on a microphone. In fact, my happiest spot might be just sitting in the back there with Aaron helping run pro presenter. Although I did tell her like I'm bad. I'd probably be terrible at pro presenter, but being back there and just like getting to see everything from the back looking forward like I love that and so I felt this pressure when we first planted that I needed to look a certain way I needed to act a certain way I needed to bring a certain thing and you know it ended up actually making some of our team members really disgruntled how many of you know acting outside of your purpose sometimes makes other people mad and angry right because when you have to when you feel like you have to do something you're not meant to do it just doesn't fit it's like a puzzle piece it's in the wrong spot and so some of our team was just getting disgruntled and I I remember having this phone call, I was pacing up and down this hallway a few years ago on the phone with a team member, and I was like, what, you know, they were frustrated and disgruntled, and I was like, what is wrong with you? Because, you know, we all know good leadership is taking ownership, right? I did the opposite. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, this is ridiculous. And they were like, honestly, like, it's so weird, but you've been really, like, mean recently. Like, you've been kind of on edge and rough with us. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember I felt like the Holy Spirit just grabbed me by my chest and was like, this is not who you are. This is not how you're meant to lead and serve. Because I had gotten this picture in my head that to be a great leader, I had to like, 
have something great to say or be a big personality or like be really bossy. And to be honest, like I'm not super bossy. Um, I, I, have, I have strong opinions, but I'm not really bossy. I'm a nine on the Enneagram, so you can imagine like sometimes how leadership is a little bit sweaty for me. Um, share your opinion on something. I'm like, oh, anything but having to share my opinion on something, my gosh. But the reality is like, I was just cut from a different cloth and the way that God made me was just different. And it's probably true about you. So many of us discount ourselves from uh, the leadership that God has called us into because we all are meant to be disciple makers, right? Every follower of Jesus has one thing to do or two things to do. One, worship Jesus for all of eternity and love him. Two, make disciples. And so, you know, it's because all inside of all of us is an innate DNA from the Holy Spirit to do that very thing. And so many of us count ourselves out because we're looking at culture's definition of what a leader looks like and what a leader should be and ignoring the kingdom definition of leadership. And so, you know, today we're talking about transform, uh, transformative leadership because I believe that to be a leader, you have to be changing something. You have to be actually making something a better place. You actually have to be doing something. And so I feel like the scripture lays out um, in, a, in a passage that we're going to dive into today a really great uh, rhythm or way to transform yourself so that you can become a transforming being everywhere that you go. So uh, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, we submit ourselves to you. Your way is the best way. Your voice is the best voice. And God, I just ask that every word that you want to share and everything that you want to say through me, God, that you would get it out. God, and we just ask that your presence would increase in this place. God, make us more aware of your presence. God, make us more aware of your goodness and your love towards us. And Lord, let us be transforming leaders, God. Let us go into every realm of society and bring the love that you have, bring the joy that you have, and bring the healing that you have. God, do it through us. In your name we pray. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So the definition that we've been working with throughout this summer series for leadership is this. A kingdom leader is the person that loves others by actively serving them sacrificially and joyfully as an act of worship to Jesus. And today I really want to dive into the way a kingdom leader moves through life. If a leader is a servant, then what effect does that have on their way of living? Leaders, kingdom leaders, consider how their behavior and their choices will affect those around them. Because leaders have the power to make the world a better place or make the world a really junky place. (laughs) And we know that firsthand, right? We've all been under bosses that make our lives terrible, right? Or we've all been in churches that just really help us to grow because there's great leadership. I Honestly, the person that I think of when I, I... I imagine who has poured into me the most when it comes to uh, leadership development is somebody that none of you would know. She's nothing special. I mean, she's special to me and she's special to God, but she, she doesn't have a platform. She doesn't have a ton of followers. She's not in ministry, but she literally has poured so deeply into my life in a short season of time. Um, And it's just because she was herself and she let me be myself uh, in the presence of God and encouraged me to grow up into the leader that she saw me being. And that's, that's what's so interesting. 
I counted myself out as a leader because I thought it needed to look a certain way when it came to like, I'm in charge of you, like you gotta do what I say. I don't know, that's just like so contrary to who I am and how, how I'm called to lead. So when we came up with this definition, there's something inside of me that turned, turned on a little brighter. You know, for me, serving is the best definition of a kingdom leader because we all can participate, right? We all can participate. Uh, Andy Bird, um, who is a part of YWAM, one of Lyle and I's great friends, said something one time that marked me entirely. And he said, um, the church talks about being radical all the time, giving your life for something, giving your life away, changing the world, making a huge impact. He said, but I refuse to embrace any definition of radical that my wife with six kids can't participate in. Because that's how, that's how kingdom is, right? So often the world tries to tell you you can't participate in being great. But that's the opposite. The kingdom's like, oh, you're here? you can be great just because you're here just because you showed up oh you're a kid bring them closer oh you don't know what the heck you're doing that's fine you know me go share the gospel and that's how it is in the kingdom because everybody is called to lead but that means everybody is called to serve so we have to start off with a ground rule for this message nobody can say in their head I'm not a leader this doesn't apply to me okay that's the rule for today. All of this applies to you, every single one of you, because you're a lover of Jesus. And if you showed up today and you don't know Jesus yet, by the end of this, he's going to sound really good. And you'll probably want to become a servant leader as well. So. So, you know, I love my kids. I have two kids. They're uh, two and a half and four. And I will tell you this. I did not become a parent because I thought somehow in my head that I was going to create these awesome like slaves that were going to do the housework for me one day. Uh, you know, I'm like, oh man, like I can just have a couple kids. I can clean the house. I can do the laundry for me. So I can just like sit down. And then, you know, one day when I get old, maybe they'll take care of me. They'll pay all my bills. It'll be awesome. No, like that's not most, any of you who are parents are on your way to becoming parents. No, that's not how you came up with kids. You're like, I just love you so much. We'd make some really cute kids. I'm gonna like give my whole life away to them and I don't even care. It's joy that comes with that thought, right? And that's what maturity is. Maturity is being able to link joy and suffering, joy and stretching, joy and surrender, joy and giving up my preferences. That's what maturity is. So when I look out and I'm like trying to find a kingdom leader, I wanna see the people who have joy in the midst of suffering. If you haven't gone through anything like really hard and you wanna be on staff here, I mean, I'm not saying you have to make up something really hard, but I wanna see how you like, I wanna see how you handle disappointment. I wanna see how you handle no. And it's not because we're trying, you know, God's trying to like, ruin your life when he tells you like, no, don't do that thing. No, don't go then. Even though you know he's told you, hey, you know, God, you've called me to the nations. And he's like, not there, not now. And you're like, what? But you've called me. And so often it's just because he's trying to reveal the heart of the leader, right? The heart of the servant. And he wants to see how you handle disappointment and how you handle things that are hard because there's maturity in your ability to link joy to things like disappointment, joy and surrender. And so that's what I feel like is the lifeblood of a transformative leader. The ability to say that, hey, it's my joy to lay down my life for the people that God's called me to serve. And every single one of us has a metron of authority. For some of you, it's your three kids. For some of you, it's your three employees. And for others of you, it's, you know, your 300 employees. I don't know, but God's given you a metron of authority 
And you have to become broken on behalf of the people that God's asked you to serve. Otherwise, we get really tempted to lord over people. We get super tempted to control people. And we get really tempted to like kick them out when they like make a mess. But servant leadership looks like, it's okay, we made a mess. Let's not do that again. But let me help you clean it up. And that's why sometimes being a servant leader isn't super fun. And we, we at times would like to sit on the sidelines of life and just watch other people do it and outsource our you know, leadership ability to our pastors or to our bosses. But the reality is we all have something to give in the area of serving. And so you know, I feel that our house and our church is growing up some this year. And just that's what I feel. I feel like we're growing up, you know? It feels like, hey, we're going a little deeper. We're growing up a little bit. I might ask you to be here, you know, one extra night in the month because we're going to teach our community how to worship. And we're going to teach our people how to hear the voice of God. And we're going to go a little deeper. But that's just because we're growing up a little bit. And growing up looks like the link between laying our life down and that being a joy. And so we're going to dive into um, the main text today, and it's one of my favorite passages, or it's not really a passage, it's a verse uh, in the Old Testament. It's going to be on the screen behind me, um, but it's Second Chronicles 7.14. I feel like in this passage, or in this uh, verse, is a holy prescription, and don't get allergic to that word like formula, but it's a holy way to live life in order to be a transformative leader and understand that, hey, how I live my life and what I do to serve others matters because it's either making a difference for the world around me or it's ruining the world around me. There is no middle, okay? You have to get that in your head. There is no middle ground. There's no not making a difference. You're either making a great difference or you're making a crappy difference, you know? Like, it's one or the other. There's no, like, sitting idle. We like to think that that's the case, that we're like, oh, like, if I just don't do much, then, like, no. Like, you're either impacting things for the better or you're taking and you're impacting things for the worse. So here's here's what I feel like is... um, a holy prescription. Verse 14 says, if my people, that's us, who are called by my name, Jesus, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I love this passage because um, for years and years I I wrestled um, with the idea that me living my life actually means anything and actually makes a difference. For some people, like, their ego takes them one direction, which is, like, my life is the only thing that matters. And, like, if I do something, the whole world's going to change, which isn't true. Like, Jesus is the only person that did something, the whole world changed. But, like, you know, and then sometimes ego takes you the other direction, right, which is, like, woe is me. Like, I don't have anything to do. Like, I'm going to get attention another way somehow. And that was kind of, that's kind of my tendency. Like, oh, I don't really have anything to give. Um, I've learned over time, though, that that doesn't matter. Of course, I don't have anything to give without Jesus. But with Jesus, I have everything to give. And the world needs you to recognize that with Jesus, you have everything to give. And you have everything to sow. And so, um, you know, when we, get, when we approach topics like this and passages like this, we have to ask ourselves two questions, which is, am I leading for my own gain? Because the scripture addresses us. You know, when we read stuff like this, we're like, oh, oh darn, am I doing this? Or am I like trying to find ways to not do this because they like, it feels too religious. 
It's back. Oh, perfect. Sorry about that. Um, am I leading for my own gain or am I leading for the gain of others? Culture says we lead, we, and I'll include myself in this because I've, I've gone down this path a time or two, but we lead to discover our significance and let other people know that we are significant and are to be respected. That's what culture says about leadership. Leadership says, or culture says, be in charge so that you can find out how important you are and then let other people know that you're important. That's why Jesus said, is so good about saying, no, 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 no. Abide in me. Abide in me, connect to me, and you'll have all of your significance attached there. If you abide in something else, then your significance isn't truly found, right? Uh, If you're seeking opportunities to lead and your motivation is to find significance or to live out your calling, don't be surprised if the Lord in his mercy keeps you from those leadership places, okay? So sometimes the Lord in his mercy will keep you from authority, like over people, right? Leading people in a direction um, because he loves them a lot. And sometimes, like, if we don't have our identity stuff worked out, we'll work it out on other people, right? Brene Brown talks about that a lot. Like, hey, we don't have our stuff together. We work our stuff out on other people. And that's the same thing with leadership. And so for me, you know, as a leader, if I find any of my value or significance in the fact that, you know, whether these chairs are full or not, or whether, you know, the, the room is loud or not, or you guys are talking back at me while I'm preaching or not, then my foundation is on shaky ground, right? Which means like, I'll rise when you rise with me and I'll fall when you fall, okay? And that's what culture says. Tie your significance to the applause of other people and to the praise of what of people, what they value as significant. But the kingdom is the exact opposite, okay? This is what the kingdom says. Kingdom says we as believers lead from a place of understanding our significance in Jesus, Okay? We lead because we know that Jesus has given us authority to lead, not because we mustered it up in our own strength. I'm, I mean, I, I'm nothing special without Jesus, but with Jesus, we have something so beautiful. And in him, all of our significance is met because for the rest of eternity, I won't get any, I don't need any of your affirmation for the rest of eternity. I'm just gonna look my savior in the face and he's gonna say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's the only affirmation that I need for all of eternity that will sustain me. And eternity starts the day that you say yes to Jesus. And that means that for, from now and into eternity, the only affirmation that you need to thrive is hearing those words from Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. If the world is like not drinking your Kool-Aid right now, no big deal. Repeat those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's the only affirmation you need to thrive. Kingdom also says we don't lead for our own gain, but we already have everything good and perfect in Jesus. And we lead to make the world around us a better place. Sometimes I find um, really beautiful people that are unassuming in huge roles of leadership. And it's because of this very thing. Sometimes you look at them and you're like, how are you in that role? Like, how are you leading like that? Man, like what you're holding is so beautiful. And the people that are coming out of what you're doing is beautiful. And your business is thriving and you're honest. And 
You know, and some of that is just this principle, right? That we lead not because we need to feel significant, but we lead because the world needs to be a better place. And Jesus has the keys to make it beautiful. And through us and through our lives laid down, we can actually make a difference, right? And so in this passage, I pulled four, uh, four keys out for us that really articulate um, a lifestyle of a transforming leader. Um, and so let's dive in. This is a great time to start taking notes. Um, if you have your notebook, leadership school students, you should have something to write at all times. <laughs> um, or your phone. That's fine. So we all have that. But here are the keys. The first one is this. Humble yourself. Yes. This is like... Uh, this is something that we love to say amen to and like, yeah, like God and yes, all the people said yes, because it's good, but we love to say amen. Like let's humble ourselves. But like we run smacked in uh, dab into our own ego. And then we're like, Never mind. you know, like we turn the other direction and we run into things that, you know, we want to feel prideful over and say, we've got this thing figured out. We know how to do this thing well. And the Lord, so oftentimes I found, have put me in environments where I feel like I can crush it at that thing. And I'm like in it, not doing anything and watching other people work it out like and do the thing. And I'm like, you don't, I know what I'm doing here. But it's because the Lord's so faithful, if you don't humble yourself to bring you into situations where he will humble you, right? Like he will, he will put you in a place where you're like, ah, I get it. This is not about me. This is not about me. And he'll sometimes take you through whole seasons and they might be kind of painful. I've been through seasons like that where it felt like we call them hidden seasons. I like to call them like humble seasons. They're like, you're, you're hidden. Like God's kind of got you in his, in his hiding place. And you're like, I could do this thing. And I could be great. And he's like, just you're hidden. But those are so often humble seasons where the Lord's actually taking you through a journey of letting go of your ego and embracing him as the only thing that you need to thrive and survive. And, uh, and I find that to be really beautiful. And to be honest, that's why I like the local church, because I think that the local church is an incubator for destiny. And inside the local church, you learn how to be led. Yes. I, yes. Trust me, I do not pretend to be the most qualified person in this room. Okay. But I'm here for a reason, and you're here for a reason. And sometimes it's to just wrestle out those things that God has, you know, wanted, is pointing at, and he wants to pull those things out. And inside of a leadership structure like a family, that's why family is so kingdom with moms and dads and aunts and uncles, and people who can tell you no, and there's discipline that's helpful. And all of that is great because it brings you on a journey of humility because you realize, and I've especially realized, I'm not qualified to do this in any way, shape, or form. I didn't go to school for this, but God put me here, and here we are. And in this context, you learn how to journey alongside people who, you know, think differently than you, see the world differently than you, and it causes you to be filled, uh, filled with grace. And that's my definition of uh, humility is humility means to see the world through the, a lens of grace, understanding that you are no better than anyone you meet. Yes. That's a humble heart. Yes. I look at the world through a lens of grace. Yes. I'm not better than any of you. Yes. You're not better than me but I'm not better than any of you. And I, that's what makes it easy to be a servant because we all just look eye to eye. Yeah. And I'm just here to help you grow and turn into the best version of yourself. And 
And so to be a transformative leader, you have to understand that humility is a key. You cannot be a transforming force from your high horse. You just can't. That's just impossible. Nobody wants to listen to you. The second point is this. Be a prayer warrior. Prayer, and we talked about this in uh, leadership school, but prayer is the most worthy thing that a believer and a leader can give themselves to. There's nothing more worthy than prayer, okay? Prayer is not only like a discipline, but it is a way of life. You do not win war in the spirit without spirit work. You have to be a prayer warrior. You have to be somebody that goes to the face of God and says, transform me goes to the presence of God and says, we need to see transformation here, God, please. Yes, yes. And I love this passage in Daniel. Um, it's Daniel 10. You'll have to turn there because uh, it's not on the screen behind me. But I love this picture of what it looks like to be a prayer warrior. And this is what I mean when I say to war in the spirit through prayer and why it's so important. But Daniel 10, 9 through 13 says this. I heard the man speak. This is Daniel referring to uh, an angel that comes to him after a 21-day fast, fasting and prayer. And as I listened to his words, I fainted face down on the ground. Then a hand touched me and made my hands and knees shake. Whoa. (laughs) The man said to me, Daniel, you are highly respected. Pay attention to my words. Stand up because I've been sent to you. What a crazy moment. Daniel has fallen face first on the ground, trembling in the presence of an angel who's come to him. And I mean, I think that Daniel was expecting him to some extent because he'd been praying and fasting for 21 days. But even in the moment of, of this angel coming to him, it's just like, oh my gosh, you actually showed up. I didn't know if I was gonna have to pray for 22 days or 222 days. I didn't know, but you came. In verse 12, he says, do not be afraid, Daniel. God has heard everything that you have ever said since the first day you decided to humble yourself in front of your God so that you could learn and understand things. I have come in response to your prayer. The commander of the Persian kingdom oppressed me for 21 days. Just because you have not seen it happen on the first moment of prayer does not mean that the answer isn't coming. And we have got to become followers of Jesus that just keep praying. It's just like keep knocking, keep pushing on the door, keep pushing on the wall. We, I think that our stamina sometimes for prayer is low because we have devalued prayer to such an extent. So we don't practice it. It's no shame, genuinely, I, I've been in this place before. But understanding that a faith-filled prayer matters every time, okay? God hears it every single time. And I, I touched on this in the first service, and it was a little uncomfortable, and I'm not meaning for it to be uncomfortable, but there are spiritual forces, right? We are not in a war against flesh and blood. We are in a spiritual war. We are, that's why we don't see it. It's why it's like sometimes we're like, I just want to like get a new car and like go to work. And that's what I want to live my life for because we don't see it. But if we saw it, like if the eyes of our spirit was open to see what was happening in the spirit realm at all times, we'd probably be cowering underneath these chairs. And then at times we'd probably like get out and be like, yeah, go. We got, you know, but we developed this, this stamina for prayer because we'd understand that every prayer matters. There is a, there's an element of the spiritual battle that sometimes we don't want to acknowledge because it's just a 
little too spooky for us, but I'm going to let you know if, if you can't acknowledge a spiritual battle, you're in Christianity is the wrong thing for you. Like Jesus is, this is a spiritual, this is spiritual thing. So prayer is so worthy because it's so effective, but you have to continue on when you don't see it on the first day, keep praying. When you don't see it on the 41st day, keep praying. Just because you got to day 21 like Daniel and the angel didn't show up, keep praying. Like, that's the whole, that's the whole uh, joy of prayers that can happen without ceasing. We can literally be in battle without ceasing, just like taking down darkness. And a transformative leader understands that it's not, it's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's not us and them. It's all of us against the powers of darkness. And that's why it's so important to be unified together. Just because we don't see breakthrough doesn't mean that the breakthrough isn't coming. So we keep praying because we want to make a difference. And we know that when we keep praying, things change. That's what I tell my friends. Whenever I send them a text, like I'm, you know, having a rough day, had kind of a weird day yesterday. And uh, I was like, wow, I just got to leave the house. I got to like get out. And, uh, Sometimes I'll just send my friends texts. I'm like, I need prayer. And I know that when you pray, things change. Because I'm just, I'm affirming that thing. Like faith-filled prayers change things. And I will, our city will be different. And I'll like, you know, we just start praying. I'll know if we're actually praying because our city will start seeing transformation. And that's the kind of house that we are. The third point is this, worship wholeheartedly. Seek the face of God And encounters with the person of Jesus is the way that we create a faith that spills over onto other people. You can't argue me out of my encounters with God. You just can't. I just had him, and I just know him, and he's just so good. I had an encounter with the presence of uh, darkness when I was like two or three. And my parents didn't, they're so smart. My parents are the most brilliant humans on planet Earth. Um, but they, I remember when I was like two or three, and now looking at my three and four-year-old, sometimes I, pro- I probably wouldn't think to say this, but I was probably, I might have been three or four. But they told me, they say, hey, if anything weird ever happens to you when you're sleeping at night, like something comes in and tries to scare you, just tell it, I can't go with you, I belong to Jesus. And, uh, and sure enough, I had the strangest experience when I was a little kid. I was about four years old. And this thing came to me, and it wanted me to come with it. Um, and it was like I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I, was, I don't know if it was in a dream or if I was actually awake. I experienced it as being actually awake. And I just told this thing, like, I can't go with you. I belong to Jesus. And it got out, you know, just walked right out of my room. And then following that, I had a radical encounter with Jesus pretty soon after. And, you know, that's the thing. You can't argue me out of those moments. I had those moments. Jesus is real. The person of God is absolutely real. And the presence of God is ready to transform your life. But so oftentimes we neglect what we think is like, I love it. Will Hart um, with Iris Global was here on Thursday night. And he said something that was so, uh, you know, that was so awesome. Like sometimes we just want God to fall on us in this grandiose way. It's just fire, fire of God. And then like we experience peace, which is holy. And we're like, oh, I just like experienced a little bit of peace. Listen, the whole world wants peace. Okay. When you experience peace, praise God. Okay. 
praise God, because the whole world wants what you have. And, and we're like, oh, I just like experienced a little bit of peace, right? You can't argue me out of those encounters. God wants the whole world to experience his goodness. And we as believers have to understand that worship and prayer are for our formation. It's not for our entertainment, okay? When we worship God, we understand him more fully. We say, okay, God, you're good. And I'm going to let that mean something to me. God, you're so faithful. You always show up and I'm going to let that mean something for me. And so when we worship with our whole heart, we give space for the presence of God to land, right? It says in the Psalms that God rests on the praises of his people or that praise is like a highway to the throne of God. And so whenever we worship, we create space for other people to find him. We create space for other people to find him. I didn't make it up. That's just how it goes. I don't know why that is. I don't know why every movement that's ever happened on the globe, around the globe, has started first with prayer and been sustained by worship. That's, that's true. Any big ministry, any uh, great move of God has always started in prayer and been sustained in worship. And that's because those two things are paramount for our understanding of who God is, Right? So we worship because we need an encounter with God. We need to know him. We need to know him. And the fourth point is this, and it's repent quickly. (laughs) Repent quickly, please. Turn from the things that are putting distance between you and God or between you and the people of God, okay? I like to say, some people say forgiveness or repentance restores the standard. I think that forgiveness and repentance cancels debt. When we repent and we experience forgiveness, the thing that we then owed somebody, okay, this is a great example. Um, Let's say I stole something from Kim, okay? I stole $300 from her in in a time where she really needed money, but I thought for some reason I needed it more. I steal from her. You know, six months ago, we're mega disconnected, okay? I come back to Kim, and I'm like, I'm, honestly, I was wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, can, I, can I pay you back for that? And then Kim looks at me, and she says, no, you're forgiven. You're good. We're connected again. We're fine. Because forgiveness, repentance leads to forgiveness, right? Repentance leads to the ability to remain connected to the presence of God. Listen, God doesn't run away from us, but we love to run away from him. If there's distance between you and God, it's not him, it's you. Like, and I love the picture that Lyle does, like where he, you know, he has somebody follow right behind him when we're like running away from God, but God's right behind us. When we turn around, and we realize he's been there the whole time. But sometimes we feel disconnected. Jesus on the cross can attest to this feeling like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sometimes we feel distant from God, but it's not him, it's us, right? It's me. I, I, I need to come back and repent and turn and receive forgiveness because in that place, we, there's connection again. And like I said at the beginning, the whole world, it's not us and them. It's us against the forces of darkness, which means we need to be a unified front, which means that I need to repent to you quickly when I hurt you and when I offend you. And I need to repent quickly to God when I offend his heart and I hurt him. Listen, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. It's in the scripture. The way that you live your life is not because I have to be holy in order to encounter God. Listen, he came to me while I was still a sinner. But it's the fact that nobody wants to follow people who live the same way they do. That's right. That's right. That's right. Nobody wants that. I don't want to follow, like, 
And I certainly don't want to follow somebody who lives a lifestyle more sloppy than I do. And, and sloppy is a choice word, but like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to follow a leader who thinks that smoking a pack of cigarettes a day is okay. It's not okay. It's terrible for your body. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because I want to be inspired towards a lifestyle that is inspiring for the world around me. I want people to know, hey, when you come and meet Jesus, you get better. You get more whole. You have experienced more joy, more life. And not because I'm faking it, but because I'm actually having a life-giving encounter with God through prayer and worship, and my life is transformed. And therefore, I can actually be a leader in the lives of people around me. Like, Lyle and I love the Golden State Warriors. And I know, amazing. <clears throat> Sorry to anybody else who doesn't. Uh, I, I'm not, okay, Lyle knows this. We, how long, we've been married for six years. I was not into basketball before I met Lyle, but love does weird things, and here we are. <laughs> here we are. And I swear, on that last game... I was hiding in our bedroom, like peeking around because I just couldn't. I just couldn't with it. And I just love it. I love watching Steph Curry play. I think he's brilliant. I love the way he like his family. I just think they're gorgeous. And, you know, we all have people who we're entertained by, inspired by. But it's not because, like, it, you know, they do the exact same things we do. It's because we're like, they're superhuman. They do things differently than we do. Like, they have something about them. They have a discipline about them that is special. It goes beyond anything, that, like, what I could do. or what, That's what we think. But, and that's the kind of people that God has called us to be, not, in, not to be set aside from or set apart from people in the way that's like we're cut off from somebody in our holiness, but it's actually holiness that inspires people to run faster, further, keep going and saying like, your life can get better. It's your life is not, you know, every feeling and emotion. Like your life is so much deeper than that. Your spirit is so much more important than that. You're more than every, uh, you know, mistake you make. You're so much more. And so for us as believers, that's why, and that's how I always see a life of holiness most effectively lived out is one that doesn't, doesn't heap shame, but one that inspires to greatness. And that's the kind of followers of Jesus that we're supposed to be. And so we choose as transforming forces to be quick to repent and quicker to forgive. When somebody comes to you and they're like, man, I really screwed up. I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. The debt's all gone. I'm not holding anything against you. We're good. We can move on. And that's what the world needs. The world doesn't need a justice movement. The world needs a forgiveness movement. They need, they need people, they need people who are like, it's not about being fair. It's about saying, I forgive you when you wronged me. I'm not holding on to that debt anymore. I let it go. We're now connected again. It's not us and them. It's all of us together against the forces of darkness because we want to be people who transform the earth through our love and our kindness because they'll know we're Christians by our love. And so if you could, let's stand. Worship team, you can come. But I love this promise as we're closing. That's at the end of that verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians that says this. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Yes. And I love that because it's not, 
I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins and heal your land. It's this picture that you can do the work for other people to get the reward. And a kingdom believer knows how to connect joy to that thing. That I do work, but you get the reward. I say the prayer, but you get the breakthrough. I spend the time in the prayer closet and you get more of God. And we find joy in that thing because we also recognize that it's the breakthrough isn't the icing on the cake, right? Jesus is the icing on the cake and every moment we get to spend with him is a worthy moment. When I was in college, I didn't quite understand what leadership looked like, but this for me looking back is my intro to leadership, but I went to college with one of my best friends and luckily had a lottery draw for another roommate who is a Christian, but had never experienced the presence of God or the Holy Spirit. And I went through a really dark time uh, in my first year of college. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, this moment matters. This moment matters for your future because how you deal with this moment sets you up for future success. And I remember I got this book from Bill Johnson, When Heaven Invades Earth. And it's one of the best books on the, on the topic of the kingdom of God uh, permeating the earth. And I remember I just was like, if this season's gonna suck, it's gonna suck and it's gonna matter. You know, you ever have those seasons? It's gonna suck and it's gonna matter. I know some of you had those seasons, it's gonna suck, but it's gonna matter. And I took that book and we would sit down every night and we would read through it. And I remember us all saying collectively, there were nights where we could hear an audible door open and shut and the presence of God would rush into our dorm room and we would we just didn't know what to do. We'd just stop reading. We, I, we didn't know what to do. We'd never been in the presence of God like that. And then my friend had never been exposed to the Holy Spirit. And so she was like, what the heck is going on? It's real, but I don't really know what to do with this thing. And looking back on that season of life, that was Leadership 101. Leadership 101 is I can take my disappointing seasons and turn them into glory for God and actually turn them into a transformation for the world around me. That I don't actually sit in my grief so long that it takes me out of the game, right? Because that can happen. And some of you have probably walked in today saying things like, ugh, like I've been stagnant for so long. I haven't been to church in a while. I haven't gotten in the game in a long time. And I don't really know where to start. And this is my encouragement to you. Start with these things. Humble yourself, pray. Worship wholeheartedly and repent quickly. In this is life. And it's not just life for you, it's life for the world around you. And so today, I I want us to worship in close because I want us to do one of these, at least one, if not all of these moments here in worship. So I love worship because we can humble ourselves, pray, and repent all in one moment uh, as we worship, as we confess the truth of Jesus and who he is through us. And so this morning, I don't know if you just haven't even been in his presence in a while, and this is going to be a first time in a while, or you need to repent to God for something, or you need to repent to a friend for something that's causing 
causing disconnection. But whatever it is, take this time. You have a few moments now. Take this time to interact with the person of Jesus because he wants to know you. He wants to be with you. And he doesn't care what mess you came in with. He doesn't care where you're at today. He just wants to take you into your tomorrow, okay? So if you could with me, if you feel comfortable with every eye closed, let's just lift our hands in this place and let's just start saying the name of Jesus just invite his presence to increase in this place Jesus we know that you ride on the praises of your people as we worship a highway is made to the throne of God we just want to know you Jesus we just want to know what your life through our life looks like God thank you for the authority that you've given us in Jesus thank you for the breakthrough that you've given us in Jesus God we honor you and we worship you.